CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with George Kaloudis for your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, the IMF, top headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and the Coindesk market index are higher, while overall, crypto markets are showing mostly lower prices. While the market remains optimistic that BlackRock, of course the largest asset manager in the world, will be successful with its recent application for a Bitcoin spot exchange-traded fund, Craig Erlum, a senior market analyst with Oanda, said in a note that Bitcoin still looks vulnerable. Quote, Bitcoin ended last week quite positively after dropping to three-month lows on Wednesday, but it continues to look vulnerable to further declines. Erlum said, continuing, the two-month trend is not in its favor, and the news flow isn't exactly helping the situation either. It's had a remarkable year and remains more than 50% higher, so it's hardly a dire situation, end quote. Erlum still thinks there's a bull case for Bitcoin, it just hasn't been realized yet. The recent downturns, he argues, are simply a correction phase within an overall optimistic bull market, quote, however, there's little evidence indicating any imminent improvement, especially considering the Securities and Exchange Commission's intensifying scrutiny of major exchanges, he concluded. Meanwhile, quite a few Bitcoin are migrating at the fastest rate in six months into wallets controlled by illiquid entities or network participants with little to no spending history. All of that suggests that long-term holders are increasingly buyers in this market. The total held by illiquid entities, according to Glassnode, has jumped to a record high of more than 15.2 million Bitcoin, with the tally increasing by some 215,000 BTC in just the past month. The data shows that longer-term investors at least remain confident of Bitcoin's price prospects despite continued macroeconomic uncertainty and increasingly visible heightened regulatory risks. Last week, the U.S. Federal Reserve, that's the central bank of course, kept interest rates unchanged, pausing a record-setting 15-month rate hike cycle. As we've told you many times on this show before, action at the U.S. central bank has become a primary driver for risk assets generally, although it's interesting to note that Bitcoin and Ether are up pretty decently from our last check-in, while traditional markets have fallen across the board. Another possible factor, of course, is recent regulatory action. Earlier this month, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission filed lawsuits against prominent digital asset exchanges Coinbase and Binance, accusing them of offering a number of alternative tokens as unregistered securities. The lawsuit notably did not mention Bitcoin, triggering a rotation of money out of altcoins and into the leading cryptocurrency by market value. The rate of flow into illiquid wallets is, quote, supporting the case for a gradual and steady accumulation taking place, Glassnode's analysts wrote, continuing, Overall, the market appears to be in a period of quiet accumulation, which suggests an undercurrent of demand despite the regulatory headwinds of late, end quote. 
In related news, brokerage firm Bernstein estimates that the size of the tokenization opportunity could be as much as $5 trillion over the next five years, led by stablecoins and central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, as well as private market funds, securities, and real estate. Tokenization, of course, is the process by which real-world assets are converted into blockchain-based tokens. This approach has some significant advantages over the way ownership is mostly recorded around the world today, with centralized systems at their heart that can be abused or exploited, oftentimes physical records that can be damaged or lost, and lengthy, archaic, and expensive processes to legally transfer ownership in the eyes of the law. Tokenization resolves nearly all of those issues and is definitely a step up from our current ownership reality. According to the report, currency tokenization via stablecoins and central bank digital currencies will see application in on-chain deposits and payments, the report said, with about 2% of global money supply to be tokenized over just the next five years, which is a staggering $3 trillion, and puts the current market for stablecoins, where the largest is still under $100 billion, into sharp relief. Quote, Over the next five years, we expect to swell in stablecoins and CBDC tokens in circulation, led by China's CBDC program, analysts wrote, continuing, Stablecoins and central bank digital currency tokens coupled with yield farming in decentralized markets will compete with bank deposits as an investment or saving instrument, the report said. Still though, the broker notes current regulatory uncertainty and says that, quote, tokenization using blockchains can only succeed when policymakers appreciate the benefits of blockchains and how crypto tokens are an indispensable part of blockchain operations, end quote. And the report is in fact right in that. Although there are many advantages, they all rely on governments not being so afraid of those that they crush them. But we'll see what happens. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk Markets Analysts, Lila Ledesma, Amkar Godblay, Shari Amal, and James Rubin. Bitcoin is currently trading at $26,871 per token. That's up more than 5% since our last show, while Ether is trading at $1,730 per ETH. That's up almost 4% over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,141. That compares against our last reading last week of 1,091 and represents a more than 4.5% gain across top traded tokens over that time period. Now, before we move on to today's top stories, let's take a quick look at traditional markets. But really, they can be summarized as things are bad. Not so bad, but everything is down, essentially. In the U.S., the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 lost about three-tenths of one percent each, while the Nasdaq Composite more than doubled those losses, down seven-tenths of a point. In Europe, indexes mirrored the trend but amplified the losses, with Germany's DAX and the regional stock 600 down by about one and a half percent, while London's FTSE 100 fell by eight-tenths of a point. In Asia, the story was the same, with China's Hang Seng Index down more than 2%, while the Shanghai Composite and Japan's Nikkei 225 each fell by a full point. In commodities markets, Brent crude, that's the international benchmark for oil, fell by half a point, while gold dropped more than 1%. First Republic, interestingly, was the only winner since our last update, melting up aggressively on Friday to as high as 29 cents, before pulling back to its current reading of 24 cents per share. That's up about 33% over the time period, but still down significantly more than 99% since the start of the year. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from MarketWatch. Stay tuned for after the break. We're going to take a look at some top stories and dig into the central bank digital currency thing. We'll be right back. Welcome back. In a note published Monday, the IMF, that's the International Monetary Fund, outlined a central bank digital currency or CBDC system, which it claims could be more efficient and safe while still ensuring countries can impose compliance checks and capital controls. It's just the latest attempt from one of the most powerful supranational institutions on the planet 
to pretend it's the technology behind cryptocurrency that is in fact the innovation, when really it's the distribution of power away from such organizations as the IMF, allowing regular people to have a money immune to centralized meddlings, especially as we see them today. A director of the IMF said in a speech on the topic that, quote, our blueprint for a new class of platforms would enhance and ensure greater interoperability, efficiency, and safety in cross-border payments, as well as in domestic financial markets, end quote. They added that one global CBDC platform that will allow for capital controls could cut payment costs, although they are unclear when something like that might happen. Breaking that down a bit, effectively the people in charge think that this crypto thing could be okay so long as there's a single platform that everybody uses and can continue to enforce the national rules that turn many modern nations into monetary roach motels. That phenomenon, euphemistically called capital controls in polite society, is essentially a way for a local government to limit their citizens' ability to send or spend money outside the country, out of the little pond of liquidity which then makes it easier to devalue the local currency, since the citizens have no way to get their money out, and they basically just have to take it. This dynamic is pretty fundamentally broken by Bitcoin all by itself, much less by the other tens of thousands of tokens that have followed. So, the dream of the powerful has become to take all the interest in alternatives like Bitcoin, and to replace it with a singular system that sort of looks like cryptocurrency from a technology perspective, but which retains all of the control and power for the powerful, while eliminating any option that would offer a better competing alternative. Paradoxically, the ideas preferred by those in power are almost always weak in this same way, essentially unable to withstand any competition or even real discussion. And so, the beat goes on. With little sense of irony or self-awareness, the speech explicitly rejected ideas such as blockchain-based validation, stating that the ledger would be controlled by the platform operator. Utterly shocking, I know. The published note added that blockchains had, quote, important limitations, end quote, in terms of validator costs, security, efficiency, and privacy. As you can tell, it's very serious. Coindesk's Jack Schickler reports on this one. In related news, while the IMF is publishing reports and giving speeches on central bank digital currencies that aren't actually very much like central bank digital currencies, European Union legislation needed to underpin a digital euro, originally due to be published on June 28th, has been put on hold once again. The move follows the leaking of the draft bill, which covers privacy and technical issues for the proposed CBDC, and a statement from finance ministers that appeared to question the motivation for the plan last week. The timeline for that draft, by the way, intended to be published ahead of a firm European Central Bank decision on whether they'll move forward with this project, has shifted several times. At one point, it was expected in May. EU ministers have stressed the, quote, importance of developing a compelling and clear narrative regarding what would be the actual added value of this development and, quote, in terms of a difference to the economy and citizens' lives. Legislative text seen by Coindesk last week sought to bar banks from paying interest on digital euros and merchants charging for using it. It's sort of amusing, of course, to see all the flailing of arms and gnashing of teeth about central bank digital currencies as to create one that is actually worth creating, but which does not threaten the power of the powerful, may be an impossible task. But it's a story we'll be watching. Coindesk's Jack Schickler has more on this one, too. Meanwhile, Etherscan, one of the most commonly used online Ethereum blockchain scanning tools going back to the very early days, has introduced a new tool called CodeReader that uses artificial intelligence from the folks over at OpenAI to help users read and interpret the source code of smart contracts. The tool, which uses the API version made popular through ChatGPT, can retrieve the read and write functions of an Ethereum smart contract so that users can make informed decisions, at least hopefully, on how to interact with them within decentralized applications. 
Although CodeReader connects through OpenAI's API, it does not yet allow for conversational threads with the chatbot. Etherscan added in a post that the new tool is meant for informational purposes only and encouraged users to verify its answers instead of relying on them solely for evidence or bug bounty submissions. Honestly, it's a pretty cool story and gives us just a hint of how AI agents, integrated into the software we use every day, are going to dramatically improve and substantially change our world by, paradoxically, reducing the problems associated with complexity, even as complexity likely grows. Coindesk's Eliza Gritzy has more on this one. And finally, Terraform Labs co-founder Do Kwan of Luna Infamy has been sentenced to four months in jail by a Montenegro court after being found guilty of document forgery. This is essentially an incidental charge unrelated to the larger allegations stemming from the collapse of the Terra ecosystem, but at least as far as my count goes, it still represents a rare spat of jail time for those alleged to have done wrong during the end of the last bull market. The South Korean national was arrested for the alleged possession of falsified documents along with another Terra executive. The two have remained in custody since their arrest, despite local courts approving bail last week on the second try. Leading up to Kwan's arrest in Montenegro, the former executive had maintained he was not on the run, even as authorities in South Korea started an international search for him, including requesting a red notice from international police agency Interpol. Both South Korean and U.S. authorities have requested his extradition to face criminal charges related to the collapse of the multi-billion dollar algorithmic stablecoin crypto enterprise known as Terra back in May of last year. Coindesk Sundali Hundagam has more on this one. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. Today's episode was edited by Ryan. And for those of you still with us, we'd love to hear what you think. You can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a new source and does not provide investment advice. 